Welcome to the NAIA Football Podcast, the first annual podcast for everything NAIA football. This is John Cooper, your host. You can sit back, relax, and get all the analysis on NAIA football that you need. I'm here with my host and editor for the NAIAFootball.com website, Corey Thorpe. Corey, how are you doing today, man? Hey, I'm doing good, John. How about yourself? I'm doing well. We uh, got the playoff participants announced today and uh, just want to spend some time breaking down each matchup. Uh, is there any reaction that you saw when these playoff announcements uh, was revealed to us? I was I was a little surprised to to see, but, you know, kind of expected. But, you know, to, to see Evangel not get in, I was kind of hoping that they might squeak their way in. You know, and here, here's the thing about our league, Corey. Um, yeah, I, the playoffs are so stacked this year. It's a shame that it has to be limited to 16 teams, especially with a team like Evangel who's surprised this year. But um, I, I would say Evangel and the team they played last week, uh, Baker, well, a couple days ago as we're recording this, uh, both those teams knew that was a playing game for them to get into the playoffs. And uh, I guess worst-case scenario, the regular season in the NAI definitely means something. And it's like we had a first-round playing game between Baker and Evangel the past couple days. And also Sienna Heights and Concordia as Concordia defeated Sienna Heights to get into the playoffs. But I'm with you on uh, Evangel. Um, so what I'm going to do is just uh, name the matchups that we have, and we're going to see them from our go over them from a broad standpoint and then hopefully uh, break it down individually. So the first matchup we have is Morningside and uh, Rocky Mountain. Rocky Mountain's going to travel over the Morningside. Then we have St. Xavier versus uh, Marion Knights. We have Baker versus Bethel. We have Concordia, Michigan, traveling to Reinhardt. Then we have Dickinson State from the North Star Conference traveling to Northwestern. Northwestern's one of those at-larges that got in, and deservingly so, as their only blemish is the morning side. Then we have Langston and Kansas Wesleyan. Then we have the University of the Cumberlands, and Benedictine. Then we have Grandview versus the back-to-back -back defending champions, St. Francis. Uh, to me, this is absolutely stacked as it can get. Uh, these 16 teams definitely deserve to be in here. And I think, Corey, you can agree with me that there's not one team on this list where you say, mm, they didn't deserve to get in. Somebody else should have their spot. Wouldn't you agree with that? Yeah, definitely. I mean, everybody fought and clawed their – their way in, whether by winning their winning their division or doing really well to get that at large spot. I mean, you know, we did see one division champ, um, you know, not make it just due to the fact that everybody else was stacked. That's right, and uh, let's talk about that for a little bit. So you had the Sun Division of the Mid South Conference. Uh, I mean, I would say that's probably one of the weaker divisions in the NAIA as uh, Southeastern out of uh, Lakeland. Then you had Alva Maria, which is a little bit Southern of Southeastern. Uh, they both split for the Sun Division Championship, but because neither team and the top 25, the last one of the regular season releases tomorrow, 
But because they did not make the top 20, they're not in the playoffs, which I think that helped the NAIA tremendously because if one of those teams would have ate up a bid, you would have had an at-large like Cumberland's or Northwestern or Concordia or even their defending champs, St. Francis, staying home. And that would have been a travesty. So that actually worked out to me, having the Sun Division champion stay home. Uh, let's see uh, about our first matchup here. We have Morningside versus Rocky Mountain. We have Rocky Mountain out of the Frontier Conference, and the Frontier Conference has been really weird this year. And then you have Morningside, who is the number one team in the nation out of the GPAC. Corey, who do you like in that matchup? Man, I, I just can't go against Morningside. I mean, thinking about it and, and kind of reading what you had written about uh, or written about the um, the powers in, in Morningside and the, that quarterback and wide receiver combination, that is just an absolutely fantastic long relationship between a quarterback and a wide receiver going back to high school. Right, and I, I definitely agree with that. Uh, <laughs> to me, they're like Macho Man, Randy Savage, and Hulk Hogan. Uh, Trent Sulzman, the quarterback, and Connor Niles, the receiver, going back, like you said, all the way back to high school, winning a state championship. The two haven't won the big prize in college yet, but, I mean, these two have been absolutely nasty. I think they're both in the top five in every st uh, statistic imaginable in the NAI. And, uh, like, for instance, Trent Sulzma. If you keep that guy under 300 yards when you play him, that's that's a, a great feat you did. I mean, nobody wants to hang their hats on moral victories, but Morningside is absolutely explosive, whereas you have Rocky Mountain, who is a little bit of a mystery. I mean, they are out of the Frontier Conference. The Frontier Conference is very unique, where they have home-and-home -home series throughout the year in their conference so, for instance, uh, Rocky Mountain is in, um, you know, they have a series with Montana Western. They played Montana Western twice this year. Uh, they played uh, Montana State Northern twice this year, played another team twice. They didn't really get, and like most NAIA teams, they didn't really get that out-of-conference matchup. They did beat Dickinson State out of the North Star, which Dickinson State's a mystery as well. Those teams way out west, they're going to be fighting for respect here. And Rocky Mountain, you know, they have the best opportunity against Morningside to say, hey, we belong here. We'll take down this number one team. Even though I'm with you, Corey, I cannot go against Morningside with Solzman and Niles. I so, tell you what, John, that, that's going to be a fun game to watch. I mean, Rocky Mountain's still averaging more than 320 yards of passing offense a game, and you add that to what? We've already said about Morningside. Um, if you like passing football, my gosh, that's just going to be a crazy fun game to watch. Oh, yeah. So um, go ahead. Just throw out a score projection on there. Prediction, excuse me. Oh, man, prediction. Give me um, – Give me 63-60. I'm calling a high high game. Oh, you think they're going to be that close to Morningside? Wow. I'm, I'm going to go with uh, Morningside uh, going on a blowout. I'm going to have them 56 
the 28. I think Rocky Mountain will score some t- points in garbage time, but I just don't see Rocky Mountain stopping that vertical passing game of Trent Salsman and the crew. Uh, moving on, we have St. Xavier and uh, Marion. So this is an interesting matchup as uh, both are part of the Mid-States Football Association, and uh, Marion is in the Mid-East Division while St. Xavier is in the Midwest. So this is like a conference championship within itself. So they are division champions of their conference, but this conference will be settled out in the field. So St. Xavier, who had a high preseason ranking, and probably was helped out with some pole inertia there. Uh, They finished inside the top 20, win their division. They are the only ranked team over on their division. They are on the Midwest side, while Marion's on the Mid-East. Marion has claimed that number two ranking for, I would say, at least six to seven weeks now, if not longer. They uh, defeated St. Francis, you know, our back-to-back defending champion. But St. Xavier, I kind of feel like they've been disrespected a little bit. A lot of teams would consider them to have a weak schedule because they are on the weaker side of the mid-states. But I wouldn't sleep on these guys. I mean, it wasn't that long ago St. Xavier won a national championship, I think back in 2011. I think it's just going to be a great game here with, uh, you know, Marion's trying to get back to where they were. Marion defeated St. Francis. And they believe that they are definitely the best team. Marion's last national championship was in 2015, and they're one to reclaim that spot from St. Francis. Do you have any thoughts on this game, Corey? Yeah. I, I, you know, Marion's got a heck of a defense coming coming in, in there. You know, they're uh, first in all the NAIA in scoring defense. They're only allowing about nine points a game and 230 yards of total offense. Right. Go ahead. They didn't do anything to move the football. And here's the funny thing about the NAIA. People would consider it the Big 12 division of small college football. It seems like the NAIA always puts up tons of points. And uh, Marion goes against a trend of that. And uh, they have a defender. His name's Nikai Poiser. Okay, he has racked up the tackles this year, and the the amount I saw Marion, uh, you know, on the portal stretch streams for their games, they have eleven guys that will absolutely get to the ball. And I'll say this: not just Marion itself, but the Mid States does play pretty good defense. So I do expect this to be a defensive battle. I do think Marion will pull out late. Um, but like I said, St. Xavier is looking looking for that respect. And, you know, St. Xavier, there's got to be a fire under their belly. They lost to Marion 52-7, to absolutely outclassed. So while Marion's thinking this is just a nice warm-up game in the playoffs, St. Xavier is looking for that respect. They're 8-3, and three and they want to get back in it. I, I just don't see St. Xavier laying down. I don't have them winning – but I think it's going to be a lot closer game than it was week one. Oh, gosh, yeah. What do you what do you have to score, S? I have Marion grinding them out here in the second half. 
I have them winning 31 to 14. I think it's just going to be a lot closer game. I think uh, Marion's just going to – I don't want to say overlook because when you get to this point in the season and uh, no one's going to overlook anyone. And, uh, you know, I don't know if any of our listeners know this, but uh, I played small college football in the NAI, and uh, I went to the playoffs my first round. And we played St. Francis back in 2013. And St. Francis, absolutely great program with their head coach. They definitely didn't overlook us. They came to win. So I know that culture mindset in the mid-states with those top teams, I don't see Marion overlooking them per se. But with the previous result we had earlier in the season, they might not come out as sharp as usual. So it's just going to be very interesting to see. Uh, for our third matchup, we have Baker versus Bethel. And this is very interesting. We talked about Baker winning a close one over Evangel to get in this playoffs. But then we have Bethel, who is absolutely destroying everyone. Uh, we have Brent Deerman over there, who is the head coach. He is alumnus of Bethel. He was a quarterback there. And he has brought his RPO system and he's caught the Mid-South Conference by surprise. I can't say enough good things about Bethel this year. Um, Corey, do you have any opinion on this game? Yeah, I mean, you know, we talked about Morningside and, and their, you know, crazy offense. I mean, Bethel's sitting right there with them. They do it different, but they do it just as good. They're averaging the same amount of points per game, 56.4. Um, you know, Bethel's not going to lay down for and and let Baker catch him by surprise, like you were saying. But that's going to be a fun game to watch to see if Baker can, uh, you know, play a good team defense and and keep that RPO game, uh, make it difficult for for Bethel to make the right read at the right time. Right, and uh, you have uh, Castronova, the senior quarterback at Bethel. He is a junior college product, and he has absolutely lit up the statistics here. But uh, I just, you know, I've been watching Bethel all season long, and there was always tons of talk about their season and what it was going to be like. But, uh, you know, it's, it was against the scrub teams, and I'm not picking on any teams, Corey, but it was against the scrub teams that Bethel really caught my eye against where they, uh, you know, they put up 92 points on Kentucky Christian. And, you know, putting 92 points up on anyone's ridiculous. You know, moving the ball on air sometimes on practice is a hard thing for some people. So just seeing them do that, it's unbelievable where they keep the focus and like, well, this isn't the, you know, the Cumberlands or the Reinhardt we're facing this week. But we're going to go out and take care of business. As far as the Baker Wildcats, you know, they're battle-tested. And I will say they might even be more battle-tested than Bethel. And that's hard to say because the Mid-South Conference is loaded. But Baker, you know, they had games against Benedictine. They had games against, you know, last week against Evangel. Uh, the Heart of America Conference that uh, Baker's in is no slouch at all. And uh, they are very balanced offense. They're averaging around 150 yards per game, rushing and passing. But Baker plays a lot of defense as well. 
Uh, I think they only allowed over 30 points once this season, and that was the Grandview, and Grandview's in the playoffs. I think looking over Baker's schedule, if I remember right, they played two playoff teams with Benedictine and Grandview, and Evangel, you know, the last game, they were definitely playoff worthy. I have Bethel winning this game close. I think Bethel's offense will be stagnant at first, and they'll finally figure it out. But this one's going to be one of the better matchups to me in the whole playoffs this first round. Uh, any opinion? Um, I think it's going to be a little bit wider than than Bethel squeaking by. I mean, th- yeah, you it, they didn't play, you know, a lot of the teams, I mean, scoring 92, I mean, though, you know, you, you're you're not going to beat that. That's like the Georgia Tech score, the 222 to nothing. Right, uh, right. And if you don't know the story on that, you need to go look it up. You're right. But, That's right. So I'm, I'm thinking something something along the lines of maybe 41-17, you know, to where it's, you know, not, neither team's going to be – disappointed really badly i mean baker might be on that but i'm uh you know but they're they're gonna play hard right i have i have bethel winning a 40 something to 30 something type game i uh i i I just don't see the story of bethel ending this year until late in the playoffs but uh so uh who, who you have winning that game yeah i've got i've got bethel Okay, awesome. So moving on to the next game, we have Concordia out of Michigan versus Reinhardt, Georgia. And uh, Concordia is very interesting themselves. They come from that tough, tough mid-states, mid-east division, you know, where you have Concordia, they're in the playoffs. Marion is the number two seed. You have the back-to-back defending champions, St. Francis. Then you have Sienna Heights, who – was definitely playoff worthy and Concordia got into the playoffs by beating them this past Saturday. But then you have Reinhardt who was the runner up of the national championship game last year against St. Francis. Their program started in 2013. They won the mid South, uh, their division in the mid South back in 2013, the inaugural season. This is going to be a really good game as well. I think just like Baker and Bethel, these two games, I think, could be interchangeable as far as the ones that are most interesting, which ones will be the best showmen, you know? I, I think the fans that come to those games are going to get really surprised on the high-quality football they have. You have uh, Reinhardt that absolutely grinds opponents out. They are a midline veer type team, you know, just like the Division One team a couple hours away in Atlanta. They are number one in total rushing offense. They have 3,490 rushing yards on the year so far. So the big question is, to me, is Concordia's defense going to play assignment football? Will they stop the veer? It's to me to stop that veer, your defense in and linebackers have to be consistent. 
Who's taking quarterback? Who's taking the dive? Can a safety come up and stop the pitch? And we see teams all the time in the Mid-South that just have fits with Reinhardt's triple option offense. Uh, Corey, your hot take on it? I mean, you know, you, you talk about Georgia Tech, and, and one thing that you always uh, hear in the ACC is who gets a bye before they play Georgia Tech. There's right. No buys. Yeah. You know, you don't have additional time to sit here and study the triple option. It's not like you've got, um, you know, that, that much time to prep. That's going to be hard to do. And I tell you what, not only that triple option, but Reinhardt gets after the quarterback, man. Right, yeah. Yeah, I think out of this whole playoff system, you have Reinhardt, Kansas Wesleyan. They do an amazing job of getting after the quarterback. And, you know, going back to the rushing attack of Reinhardt, uh, Concordia has a great rush defense. They're top 15 in NAI in rush defense, just over 100 yards giving up a game on the ground. But, you know, it's different – playing a spread offense or a pro-style offense. I really don't know if Concordia's went against a triple option-style team this year. But, I mean, this is going to be a whole different animal they see this Saturday. And like you said, they just found out a couple hours ago that they're going to be facing Reinhardt. So I think for them to beat Reinhardt, they're going to have to put up some points against them. They – uh. Concordia can definitely put up 30-plus points. They are capable. I just don't know if they're capable of stopping that Reinhardt triple option offense. It's just a unique first-round game. If going down the list, the two teams I wouldn't want to face, well, obviously there's a definitely a lot more. I, I definitely wouldn't want to see Morningside in the first round. I wouldn't want to see the defending champion, St. Francis, just because of their culture. But as far as X's and O's, I wouldn't want to see Bethel's RPO or Reinhardt's triple option. So Concordia has it out for them. They, uh, they have a lot of work they need to do, but they're a battle-proof team as well. Uh, we talk about the Mid-States Conference. They are definitely battle-proof. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens there. Yeah, I'm, I I don't I don't think anybody's gonna st- stop Reinhardt on, you know, on on one week. That's that's hard. And once you get that triple option going, you're gonna chew clock like no tomorrow. And the best way to keep someone off the board is not to let them get the football. Right. And I, and tip your hat to Marion. Let's uh, go back to them for a little bit. You know, Concordia gave um, Concordia and Marion both gave St. Francis. There are only two losses of the season. Well, Marion absolutely dominated Concordia, 48-17. to 17. So while Concordia is battle-tested, it'll be interesting about what happens against their matchup with Reinhardt. Okay, moving to the next game, we have Dickinson State out of the North Star and Northwestern from the GPAC. Now, Northwestern's really interesting here. They are one of the stronger – at largest, we've seen. Um, <laughs> you kind of feel bad for these guys. You know, if Morningside wasn't in their conference, they might be the number one team right now because you they played Morningside as tough as anyone could. You know, it just came down to a 
bad second half to them, for, in my opinion. Morningside scored uh, multiple unanswered possessions and won that game against them. But Northwestern, they're a scary team out there. They are, to, in my opinion, Northwestern is the best at large in this playoffs. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. I, I, I don't know that you know, having that experience, um, you know, with Morningside in the division and playing that, you know, that definitely gets them ready for going into these playoffs. They know what the gold standard is. Right, and Dickinson, I'm. T- it's just a mystery. They come from the North Star Conference. You know, they only have six teams in that conference they they finish eight and two but it's it's going to be interesting to see what happens we know that um dickinson state earlier in the season lost to rocky mountain the battling bears out there in the frontier they lost that out of conference game but dickinson state's a mystery they have a ton of tradition you know they have 25 conference championships their coach has done a wonderful job out there. But to me, just looking at them, and I haven't been able to watch much of them, they are heavily reliant on their passing game. And uh, it's going to see be interesting. They will probably need to run the ball against Northwestern. Northwestern has the ability to shorten some games. And – Northwestern has a dual threat at quarterback. Um, he can definitely run or pass the ball, Tyson Kuma. And I might be butchering that name, and please tell me if I do, guys, if you're listening. But Tyson has definitely had a great year. He is not afraid to pull it and run, and he has lit up the statistics, especially in his last three games. He's threw over 300 yards easily. I mean, the lowest passing yards total he has is – I'd like to say it was against Morningside. He was held under 200 yards. But I Northwestern's going to be one of these teams that can dominate the line of scrimmage. But Dickinson State's a mystery. I, uh, I'm going to be honest. I don't know much about them. But I have Northwestern winning this game, just knowing how close they played Morningside and how dominant they've been over others. Who you have winning this game? Yeah, I gotta go with Northwestern. Like, like I said, they know what the gold standard is. They know they're gonna have to play to it in order to eventually, uh, you know, get through, you know, some of these tough teams like Morningside or Marion. They know the road is gonna lead through there. Right. All right. I have definitely Northwestern winning that game. Who you have winning? Yep, Northwestern. Northwestern. All right. Um. Now, moving on to the next game, we have the champions out of the Sooner Athletic Conference, the Langston Lions versus the Kansas Wesleyan Coyotes. And both of these are stories in their own right. You have Kansas Wesleyan, who actually has a Barstool Twitter account. That's that's pretty unique to me, the NAI school having a Barstool Twitter account. So shout out to those guys. Keep up the good work. But uh, you have Langston – who is a HBCU in the NAIA, doesn't get a lot of talk. Like I said, they're one of these Western teams that just literally gets overlooked. And what shouldn't be overlooked by them 
is their offense. Their offense is absolutely explosive. They are number two in the NAIA of passing offense per game, 337 yards. Number two in total offense, 548 yards. They can put some points up on the board. They are no stranger to putting up 50-plus points on the board. We've seen it multiple times this year. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I was able to watch snips of their Texas, their game against Texas College, putting up 70 points. But, I mean, they're facing a unique test with Kansas Wesleyan, who is not afraid to get after the quarterback. Um, they have a defensive lineman, Shaq Bradford. I believe he set the record for the KCAC in that conference for the most sacks in a single season. He was at 19 20, I think it was 19 sacks. That is absolutely unbelievable. I just wrote an article about uh, Kansas Wesleyan thing today. Today, right? Yeah, that, that was today. So I, it's it's going to be – and both offenses of both teams are very, <laughs> very talented. And, you know, the offense of Kansas Wesleyan is the reason why – they are 11-0. The defense absolutely straight out gets after it, but that offense is nasty, and they light up the scoreboard. And this is Kansas Wesleyan's first undefeated season since 1929 and their first conference championship since 2002. And they are definitely looking forward to making some noise in this playoffs because at times, and I'll tell you the general feel that I get, Corey, is that KCAC teams get uh, disrespected. and they want to make some moves in this playoffs. And I think to me, both teams probably in the back of their mind feel like they got a favorable matchup in the first round, even though this is going to be a high scoring game. It's going to be fun either way. That's, that's for sure. Right. Um, this one's a toss up to me. Um, I, way, I don't even want to pick a winner on this one. This one, <laughs> this one, I feel like I could open my mouth and just, either be 100% right or, you know, put a foot in my mouth. I, I literally do not feel safe picking a winner here. It's, it's going to be, it's going to be close. And just like we said with, um, you know, with morning set earlier, it's going to be, it's going to be a fun game to watch offensively. Right. And, you know, Brock Lesnar was in the room and threatening to punch me straight in the head a couple times, you know, I'm probably going pick Kansas Wesleyan. I, I have them in, I think, their vertical passing game and their rushing attack with Pruitt. You know, he's averaging 177 rushing yards per game. And how those 11 guys on defense get to the ball, they create turnovers. I think they're top 15 in NDAIA with turnovers, creating turnovers. I, I got the Coyotes winning the game if I had to. Um, what about you? If you had to pick one. Oh man! If you're gonna hold hold me to it, um, Lions or Coyotes? Man, just for being just straight ornery this time, uh, this time of day, I'm gonna go with the darn Lions. Just just oh. as have one of us wrong. <laughs> Sounds good to me. All right, moving on to the next matchup, we got the University of Cumberland's Patriots versus the Benedictine Ravens, and. This one's an interesting matchup to me. You have the University of Cumberland's, who is an at-large, and they have quietly 
put together a great season. They went 10 and one this year and not many people talked about them. They had a low preseason ranking and just quietly kept crepping up. And I always got direct messages from people on Twitter, you know, outside that Kentucky area saying, Oh, don't sleep on the Patriots this year. Well, here they are. They are 10 and one. I think, uh, Cumberland's only blemish is to Bethel. It's either Bethel or Reinhardt. Let me check that real quick. Okay, so their only blemish this year and that one loss is to Reinhardt. They lost 27-10. Whereas, you know, Cumberland's, um, when I played in the NAI and I played at Faulkner University in Montgomery, Alabama, uh, my freshman year there in 2010, we were the bad news bears out there. One of the worst losses I've ever taken as a player, and now I'm a high school football coach, was Cumberland's Kentucky and Williamsburg, Kentucky. We lost 77-7 to that day. It was absolutely embarrassing. And Cumberland's, they still can put up some points, but they are on the ground game. But uh, Benedictine was a division winner out in the heart of America athletic conference. They are 10 and one. I'd like to say that their only blemish and I will have to stat, uh, fact check it was to evangel. And we talk about evangel not making the playoffs and yep, they did. They lost 28, 21 to evangel. So that shows how strong of a conference that is. So this game's going to be interesting as both teams are battle tested. Both teams have played, top teams in the nation. So this is an interesting game as well. Yeah, Benedictine, you know, just looking at it, um, you know, they're good in all three phases. You know, we talk about, you know, such and such is a great offense, such and such has a great defense. But I tell you what, Benedictine has it spread out real nice. I mean, they're top five in scoring offense. They're sitting there. They're number two in scoring defense, but also they're number five in like punt return average per game with three punt returns for a touchdown this season. Right, right. And, you know, in the playoffs, sometimes it's creative ways to score and special teams are going to take an effect. And sometimes it's the team that puts in the extra time on special teams that can swing a close game. And I definitely think this will be a close game. You know, you have Cumberland's running that triple option similar to Reinhardt. So this one could be a, another grind out game. But, you know, you mentioned Benedictine's uh, defense played pretty well. Most NAI teams in Kansas do have a focus on defense, especially the Heart of America Conference. Um, so this one's going to be interesting, but if I had to choose a winner here, I'm going to go with the Cumberland's Patriots. They have a good culture there. Both teams have, both programs have great cultures, but, uh, I, I definitely have the Cumberland's winning. I think coach Reimer gets his team going. They are on a five game winning streak. They have blown out the last five teams they played. They, besides the loss to Reinhardt, you know, they have been oppressive all year. But I have the University of Cumberland's winning that game. And fun fact, I believe – oh, no, never mind. 
Uh, I was going to say the University of Cumberland's beat Florida State in their history, but it's actually the Cumberland of Tennessee. So we'll scratch that. So who do you have as a winner? Man, I got to go with the Ravens. The Ravens. Oh. I'm, 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 I'm the first I'm, one we disagreed on tonight. Man, yeah, I'm gonna go get against my better judgment there, and 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 I gotta go, I gotta go with the Benedictine Ravens. Well, that's gonna be interesting to see how that works out. The last game we need to talk about is the Grandview Vikings versus the St. Francis Cougars. You know, and we talked about earlier how teams you don't want to see in the first round, and to me, I don't want to see the defending back-to-backs champions of NAI in the first round. I just, I just don't, you just, you're playing a team that knows how to win in the postseason, And that's just not a game I want to play. And Grandview is no stranger to the postseason. I mean, they won the national championship, I believe 2013. And they've been in the postseason multiple times. This one's going to be interesting, but I I just do not want to play St. Francis if I can. You know, you have Kevin Donnelly, the coach over there, who I believe this season he passed Bear Bryant in all-time win totals in college football. You know, he started his career at Georgetown and uh, measles way up to St. Francis and has established a winning culture there. I just would not want to face the defending champions. What about you on that aspect, Corey? If you had to pick a first-round opponent, would you rather play the number one team in the nation or the defending champions that are in the top ten? Can I pick a meteor instead? <laughs> right. By a meteor. Right. I mean, that's just <laughs> that's that's just not who I would want to play. And Grandview, you know, they're interesting. They've blown out teams this year. But I don't think they finished their season the way they wanted to. They had a trophy game, you know, against William Penn, who is a in-state rival. And they only ended up beating them by three, 23-20. And William Penn struggled some this year and not even close to a playoff team. So it's going to be interesting to see where Grandview stacks up against St. Francis. We all know Grandview definitely plays defense. They're number one in rush defense. And they are number 12 in total defense. But it's going to be interesting to see if their focus is there. I don't think they were focused last week. Or they, if they were focused, they beat William Penn by more. But St. Francis, that's just not a team I would want to play. I, I definitely agree. But you know, John, rivalry games are different. That's a they, different they are. they are. And, and maybe I should give um, – Grandview the benefit of the doubt that game but if they don't come focused you know you have across the ball this week you have Matt Crable who is a six foot four quarterback in the NAIA that's impressive a six foot four quarterback in our league who can see well over the line he's passed for over 2,000 yards this year I mean he's managed games well I mean the last three games he's played he's three touchdowns or more it seems like he's getting his stride. It seems like St. Francis is getting his stride. You know, when they lost back-to-back, I believe, to Marion and Concordia, people left this team for dead. And they have climbed their way back. Much respect to Coach Donnelly here, and that's why he's one of the all-time great coaches. 
these guys have ripped up some wins since those two losses. They have won four straight, you know. This team could have packed it in and quit. When they lost those two straights, they had Sienna Heights the next week, who they only beat 22-19. You know, that team could have been a playoff team as well. But they have taken care of business the past four weeks. And, you know, I wouldn't discount them making the national championship game. They don't seem as strong the last two years. But I sure am interested to see this game. And I am, like I said, I wouldn't want to see St. Francis the first round. No, not at all. I mean, and, and you look at in in football, you, you know, looking at the at say the pros, you've got some teams that are winners. They are built to win. Um, they might not always have the best regular seasons. They'll be good, but not but not fantastic. But when they get to the postseason, they're a different animal. Right, and you know, it, it's just going to be a great game to see. Well, before we wrap things up, um, you know, we're going to uh, give our overall projections of what happens later down the road. And if you don't know, we're going to do this podcast weekly before each playoff round. And I know for sure I myself will be in Daytona Beach for the national championship game. But uh, before we give our closing remarks, Corey, I just want to tell a little bit about ourselves before um, we sign off and everything, because we didn't do that in the introduction and guys, please bear with us. Um, we'll get better at this podcast. And if we butchered names or the analysis wasn't spot on, please tell us. You can go to naifball.com and leave comments or Twitter or, yeah, tweeting would be great. You know, if you have any gripes, we would love to hear because we're all about improving ourselves. But my name's John Cooper. Um, I played. NAI football from 2010 to 2013 at Faulkner University. Like I said, we were the Bad News Bears in 2010 and 2011. We improved greatly. I think we were the school's first winning season in 2012. And then we won a share of the division title in the Mid-South Conference in 2013. I have a picture of the ring if anyone would like to see it. I'm very proud of it. I know it's not a national championship ring, but... As Corey can tell you, I wear it to church a lot. Uh, me and him go to the same church. But uh, I am glad to be here and serving you guys and hopefully bring some coverage to our league. And I'm going to let my uh, editor, Corey Thorpe, tell a little bit about himself. And he has been on the ride with me. He is the guy in the background that makes my articles make sense and grammatically correct. So while Corey might not have played NAI football, him just being there, seeing the content the past couple months and following football all his life, you know, he knows more than your average person at a NAIA game and his knowledge is growing as well. So Corey, I'm just going to let whatever you want to say, go ahead, man. Yeah. Um, one thing I, that I do like to tell, tell folks is that um, when my parents took me to, um, a couple of places before they, before my mother gave birth to me. One was to Doak Campbell Stadium in Tallahassee, Florida, to go see the Florida State Seminoles. The other one was to Brian Denny Stadium in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, to go see the Crimson Tide play. So I, I come from a very football-loving family. Um, 
you know, I, I grew up, um, you know, being hoarse on Sunday, yelling for yelling for Florida State. I'm a huge Florida State fan, but just seeing this this brand of football, it's it's super cool seeing these athletes that are, um, you know, definitely playing for the love of the game. Um, right. And I hope to to learn more about, um, you know, NAI, NAI football and, you know, who who these teams are are at heart and kind of kind of your uh, you know who your good guys who your bad guys because there's always some bad guys. Right. Yeah. Uh, every league has their villains. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. It wouldn't be fun without it. No. But yeah, I'm I'm super jacked to be on this ride with you. And, um, you know, like John said, if you have any, have any comments, good or ill, you know, one of our big things that we want to do is to just bring some publicity to a league that could use some. Right. And uh, before we get up to our uh, projections of who we think will be the last two teams standing at this point, I just want to read to our listeners um, how the playoffs work. Uh, so our, in our Discord, if you're not part of our Discord chat, you need to go to the website and uh, be in it because we have some great content in there from a, a great community if you want to chat up some NAI football. And plus we have an off-topic board if you want to talk anything, life or whatever else you want to talk about. But we have a user called All Day, All Night, uh, definitely a Marion fan. Um, he explained to us how the playoffs would work. And uh, so just listen to this. It says, the playoffs work like this. First round, first seed versus 16, two versus 15, and so on. Second round, the highest seed will play the lowest seed. So if there is an upset, say 15 beats two, then the next round, 15 would play one, presuming that the one seed wins. And this continues throughout the playoffs. In 2015, Marion was the eight seed, so they played at home first round then on the road against the one seed, the next game, then on the road against the next highest seed, the following. There are other factors such as distance traveled. If they didn't take into account distance traveled, Marion would have played Dickinson State first round. So Dickinson State would be considered the 15th seed, while Marion is, you know, number two in the nation. If distance traveled, because NAI's, programs don't have the resources to fly all their kids out they take charter buses most schools um dickinson state would be a long way to marion so nai tries to help its programs out but other than that let's wrap this thing up last two teams that you see standing in the national championship at daytona december 15th i am going to go with bethel and I'm going to go with Marion. And Ooh. we're going to see an RPO hot fire offense versus a stout defense of the mid-states. And I think that's a dream matchup. And I think that brings a lot of views. So I think the NAI itself would be rooting for it. Corey, who two teams do you see making it to Daytona Beach? Man, I'm, I'm glad of, of, of who you chose because – if if we chose the same ones, I was gonna have to change my pick. <laughs> um, but I'm I'm also thinking that that Bethel is is gonna make it there. Um, they're just too good to to not make it. And the other one, 
I don't see anybody stopping Morningside that far into the that far into the playoffs. Um, they're just good, straight up, flat out good. Right, and uh, so we'll see how that all shakes up. I'm excited to be over here next week with you taking this. So we are going to sign off. We appreciate all those that listen to us. You can follow us on Twitter at N-A-I-F-B-A-L-L, N-A-I-F-Ball, or you could go to www.naifball.com. We have a live interactive scoreboard, fresh content daily, and we have a forum community using the Discord app. So we would love to see you there. Um, We're going to have some outro music in about five seconds. So you guys have a great day, and we are excited to see you Saturday.